0: Hey everyone, welcome to season two of Building Infinite Red, a podcast where the owners of Infinite Red, Todd Worth, Jamin Holmgren, and Gant Laborde share stories and insights about what it's like to build a fully remote software consultancy. In this episode, we talk about a change in leadership that had a major impact on Infinite Red and how we dealt with it. All right, let's get into it.
1: Welcome back to Season 2 of Building Infinite Red. My name is Todd Wirth. I'm the CEO and founder of Infinite Red, and I'm joined today by Jamin Holmgren and Gant Laborde. Say hello, Jamin.
2: Hey, everybody. It's really nice to be back finally for Season 2. I can't wait.
1: And Gant. Hey, everybody. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been, I don't know, it's been almost a year, I think, since we started recording Mm -hmm. or we stopped uh, Season 1 of Building Infinite Red. Anyways, today we're going to talk about an interesting subject. Um, a lot of people, a lot of entrepreneurs, small business people, uh, middle-sized business business people, all business people <laughs> go through, which is a change in leadership. You may have noticed that uh, Ken Miller is not with us in the podcast and we have Gant Laborde. So we're going to talk about why that is, um, where Ken is. Is he in the Antarctic uh, searching for gold? Maybe, but we'll discuss that <laughs> in a moment.
2: Yeah, there's been a lot that's changed uh, in the, I don't know, year, year and a half since we we did season one. Um, But obviously having a change in leadership, uh, that was something that we sort of had to work through before we could start start doing season two. So but we're here, we're here and we're finally recording, which is which is nice.
1: Exactly. So let me start off. So quick story is Ken left the company um, last year and before he left the company, Gant Laborde. Uh, I don't know why I keep on using your last name. Gant Laborde.
3: Well, there's so many Gants out there, Todd. I really <laughs>
1: appreciate it. It really helps my SEO <laughs> That's true. So I'm just going to keep on saying Gantt Laborde through the entire thing as if it's his first name. Uh, so anyways, Gant Laborde um, became an owner of Infinite Red before Ken left. Uh, those two things are not actually related, even though they may seem so. First, I think it'd be a good idea. Let's just discuss Gant, you coming on, uh, becoming an owner, owner of Infinite Red, your experiences with that, our experiences with that, and then we'll go on to discuss um, Ken's departure. Sound
3: good? Sounds like a plan. I'm going to just say this has been a long time coming. Uh, I've I've had several businesses, sort of like Todd, unlike Jamin. Jamin's been on the right track his entire life. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Right. I've had business partners with a myriad of sort of skill sets and ways that we fit and ways that we don't. My very first business was creating um, a chess board called Poop Chess. <laughs> and a idea of it was uh, I was in college. I was friends with the state chess champion. And we thought it'd be really funny if every time somebody went to the bathroom, they played a move on a chess board rather than, I don't know, whatever else. Now, remember, this is a long time ago. Uh, there weren't smartphones for people to keep themselves endlessly entertained. And believe it or not, that was that was my first business endeavor. And there were about four or five businesses between there of varying success. But the truth be told, all of them were very good ideas or very fun and very creative. But the big piece missing for me was always business partners who I could, you know, look up to that I could work with that I could be creative with I could be silly with. And I think I finally found that when I started working here at Infinite Red.
1: So I want one thing to be very clear to the audience. Was it actually called Poop Chess?
3: Yes, it was. It actually, we had Rodin's The, the Stinker.
1: Uh-huh. Which is the the thinker, <laughs> the and he's
3: he's you sitting know, on a toilet.
1: By the way, I've actually always thought that the thinker actually is someone who's constipated, and that my guess was Rodan was actually <laughs> constipated because that's what it really. I mean, I know they why they call it the thinker because yeah, uh, you yeah. know, it's just marketing and PR. But um, I'm pretty sure Rodan spent a lot of time playing.
3: Poop you know, chess. It, it, I think that's the great thing when when you kind of you look at something like that, you kind of project. What your your sort of like personality on it, and that's what great art is, and I think that's also like what attracts people to businesses and art. They kind of share that same similarity. I was lucky enough to see this company get formed. I was in Paris when Jamin and Todd were talking together at a conference to actually form and this this version of Infinite Right. Yeah, it was actually all three of them went up to. Uh, went up to a room where no one else was allowed <laughs> and uh, they, they went over everything. And, um, I have to admit when that was happening, a part of me was like, I wish I could have like bought in then I wish I had the capital and the money and the foresight. But after working in infrared, um, there's something I tell all the employees here is that you're never limited to your station you actually kind of control where you want to be at infinite red and where i wanted to be after seeing all that was an owner and fortunately after knocking on the door enough y'all finally let me in
1: (laughs) yeah that and and also gant um so just remind everyone i had a ken and i had a company called infinite red um with no space uh and then Jamin had a company, I think it was, geez, had 10 years at that point that you mm-hmm. had been running that, called ClearSight. And we merged our two companies about four years ago. And so what Gant's talking about at the Paris uh, Peace Summit, or just a room in uh, Airbnb we were renting, um, <laughs> was Ken, Jamin, and I discussing merging our two companies. Uh, Gantt was actually the first employee of... My company, so Gant's been there f- literally from the beginning and stuff. And it did take me a long time to recruit him originally. He was in a in his job and safe and secure. And I convinced him to come over here uh, at that time. That was that was a long time ago.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, that's that's very cool. I um I actually knew
2: Todd. Uh, I knew Gant. Uh, I think probably I wonder if I knew T- Gant before I knew Todd. It might have been that way because we were all in the same kind of open source community um and this was prior to gantt being recruited by <laughs> todd so uh, i think uh i went on a podcast that you had or or some sort of yeah, a YouTube, youtube show
3: yeah um, we did a, a really fun thing back when we were in ruby motion days we did a video uh that was like like youtube just came out with the feature mm-hmm. and we did um did that show, and you were you were like one of our first guests.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and I think Todd uh, came right after me or something. So uh, <laughs> we've been connected for a very long time. Uh, open source, uh, we were all coders back in the day, and we we did a lot of things together. Um, uh, and Ken was in that mix as well. That was that was a big part of our origin story.
1: Yeah, exactly I was on that show. I don't think with Jamin though. Um, so anyways, so Gant's been an intricate part. He was always uh, number four at our company, and he had wanted to buy in. We wanted him to come in for a long time, and then it worked out. Um, and at the time, he also became an executive. He, he was a pretty high position at the time, but we made him executive of the company as well. So, not only is he an owner of Infinite Red, but uh, Gant Laborde is an executive also. Um, I'm going to start saying that every single time. I'm going to give it a little extra emphasis Gant Laborde. Um, but uh, uh, anyway, so that's that, that happened and that was pretty straightforward. I mean, there's lots of paperwork and stuff, and uh, we have a, a wonderful lawyer, which is very hard to find. Not to digress, but uh, I've had a lot of lawyers in my time, and 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 exactly one has been wonderful, and that's our current one, Josh.
2: We have a episode in season one about uh, you know lawyers and accountants and things like mm-hmm. that. So go check that out if you haven't listened to season one yet.
1: Yeah. So he did some work, but it wasn't that difficult actually to bring someone else in um, as a new owner. Um, so we all had that happen, and I think I want to say three or four months. I don't remember exact. Timeline, but later after Gant came on as an owner, uh, Ken left the company.
2: I want to also talk about why we brought Gant on, uh, because, you know, it's, it's not, not enough to just say, oh, he was our top employee. Cause you know, we, we have a lot of great employees. Uh, why, why Gant in particular? Um, I think that the, the big reason really came down to his creativity and his passion uh, I know those words get thrown around a lot, but they really do describe Gant. Again, is one of the few people that I know that can, uh, think of things that just sound so kind of like out there and wacky, but then make them happen and make them in a ma- happen in a magical way that just, <laughs> just absolutely blows, you know, blows my socks up. It's, it's crazy. He's a very hard worker. Um, uh, you know, there aren't too many people out there who can do generally, you know, outwork me, but Gant is one of them. He's, he's <laughs> incredible. He really puts everything he has into it. Um, and he's also incredibly smart. Uh, he's accomplished. He's got all these certifications and, and a lot of things I don't have. Um, I think the big thing overall was, was not just that, but also just kind of like, it, we, we want him to put his creativity. We really wanted Gant to put his creativity into infinite red. And we knew that if we, you if we didn't, you know, have if he didn't have some stake in the game, they eventually he was going to get tired of kind of putting his uh, creative creative energy into someone else's business. And so now it's not someone else's business. It's it's Gant's business and it allows him to really kind of unleash that. I I'm really excited. There's already been some really cool stuff that's come out of it in the in the intervening year that we're going to talk about in future episodes of this season, so stay tuned. It's going to be really really fun to listen to what Gantt has created um, and also what he's kind of freed up the rest of us to do. Uh, but that, those are for future, future episodes, for sure. That's, I think I wanted to make sure that people kind of knew why we brought him on.
3: Yeah. You'd, actually, I want to take a moment to say something about that. This is something that I think all developers learn. So I, I see a lot of developers out there and they all go through a burnout and then they also learned this other lesson. And uh, so the burnout's a little bit more complex. The community's very, very good at that. But the second lesson that I learned was uh, how not to be just mercenary. I had, one time I left a really good job just to take one for higher pay. And I thought that that's just like, that's the game. And right now, salaries are all over the place. Um, but the what you need to live is very different. What you really want is control and ability to work with people who you appreciate and and spend your time with. I know it's not as cool as saying I back when I worked at Facebook or Google or all these other places, but I think like one of the most valuable lessons that I wound up learning that helped get me here is that I knew what I wanted. And um, kudos to Todd, Jamin, and Ken for Making that kind of company because I I knew from gears that that's where I wanted to land.
1: Before we go on, can I just say I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit uncomfortable of how little
3: this episode is about me. That is true, Todd. Well, don't forget we have that unpublished episode that we're going to do later on, uh, where we promise you it's going to go out to that really special website where all <laughs> the people will listen to it. Don't worry <laughs> about it can can I
1: send my can I send my mother that that URL as a matter of fact, i yeah that's the website We're I'm just gonna sure send it to her.
2: I'm pretty sure your mother fast forwards through our parts just to get to your part.
1: <laughs> you know you know what's funny I, I i if she knew how to do that, she would totally do that sure. <laughs> yeah, but she's 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 getting up there in age bless her heart, but I, mm-hmm. I love my mom anyways. Um, yeah, so totally, we're going to have lots of exciting stuff about some of the new directions we've taken our company, uh, and talking about changing directions in the company. I mean, not changing per se, our primary business is steady, stayed steady, and we've made great growth in that. And, um, we do well in that, but just kind of some new directions, especially after the leadership change and stuff, we did decide to make some some new changes. So that's going to be exciting to talk about for sure. Cool. Gant Laborde, thank you for that. Um,
3: <laughs> thank you, Todd Worth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, thank you. So Gant came on as an owner, and he was already involved in everything. So as we discussed, that wasn't a terribly big deal. Um, Ken leaving was a lot bigger deal uh, logistically speaking so ken decided to leave the company and Jamin actually talked a little bit about that in a second but really what we want to discuss the rest of this podcast is all the logistical issues with that um the legal issues with that uh cultural changes dealing with the team that kind of stuff because there is actually quite a bit of stuff that goes on there and and we feel that might be interesting for you all but first off um Jamin, could you talk a little about uh ken leaving yeah
2: totally so um first off we're we're all still friends um you know very good friends we talk with ken almost every day still in in slack Uh, we have a channel with him um and uh so you know it was very amicable it was a it was, uh, really when it came down to it, um, I, I really see it in more, I mean, like anything a human, any decision like this, uh, it's always, there's always a lot of, there's feelings involved in, in every sort of decision where you're kind of parting ways. Um, but, uh, but overall, like, I, I think it went as about as well as we could have, could have hoped, um you know, ultimately consulting is not for everybody. It's, it's a tough grind. It's there's, there's some great things about it. And I'm we'll talk about that, but there's also some things where it's there, there's, there's other options out there. And I think Ken wanted to do some other things, uh, ultimately when it came down to it. Um, and so, uh, we, I think we were pretty, you know, pretty, uh, accepting of that. We, we understood where he was coming from. Um, sucks to lose a founder always, but, uh, ultimately that, that made sense. Um, and, uh, I, I'm really glad that it, that we did maintain that relationship because, uh, in these types of situations, it can go sideways if you're not careful. And I think all of the work that we put into building our relationship over the first three years of, of building infinite red, including things like doing the podcast together and stuff like that, that really contributed toward, having the high degree of um, mutual trust and understanding that allowed us to move, you know, move forward with this split.
1: Yeah. Very well said, Jamin. Uh, that, yeah, exactly. So first I want to set up a few things. One is we were, we allowed Ken to decide when he would tell the team. So he wanted to tell the team after the paperwork was finalized and everything was done, which meant we had to work on this transition um, for, I don't know, I'm just going to guess three months without the team knowing. And it took a lot of our time and stuff. So that was that was a challenge uh, for me personally, because there's a lot of conversations and stuff that happened.
2: We we had we had even started recording season two of the podcast and we had to stop that. And, you know, not tell Derek Greenberg, who's our our producer here, not tell him exactly why at the time. (laughs) Just, you know, hey, we're going to put this on hold for a bit. So it was like (laughs) that sort of thing.
3: So it goes to show you, anytime we might look like we're lazy, we're just working really hard behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like that. That's totally
1: not true, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was challenging for me personally, just because I do a lot of team. Um, I deal with the team quite a bit and that kind of stuff. And uh, I'm kind of a naturally kind of person who likes to talk about everything and, and pretty open books. So that was one challenge for sure. Um, handling all that and starting to kind of take over some of his duties and you know obviously you don't just flick a switch and everything switches over during that time you're putting new people on things that he was working on that kind of stuff so I don't think anyone noticed per se um, but that was going on during that process too.
2: Yeah. I mean, Ken's position, he was, uh, he was often kind of involved in strategic things. He was involved in financial things. He was our CFO. Um, he was also, uh, uh working a bit with the technical team. Um, so that was kind of the, uh, the breadth of what we had to take on. Legal, uh, was another aspect of it. Um, you know, so there were quite a few pieces that we needed to, uh,
3: sort of officially assign elsewhere marketing as well which is a something you can't let uh you can't let drop so we had to work on everything all at the same time it was it was quite a juggle
1: yeah there was there was there was a lot there for sure so we had the we had you know his the various things that he did at the company we had to transition over so that was a big thing we had the team kind of in the dark so that was a thing um we had legal obviously josh who i mentioned earlier our lawyer had a lot of stuff we had to... There was a lot of paperwork involved in this, plus a lot of discussion on exactly how it would happen. Yeah. Ken at the time owned basically um, a third of the company. Um, mm-hmm. so, well, no. 30%. Not at, sorry, yeah. not, at, not at that time because Gant had already bought in. But before yeah. Gant bought in, Ken owned a third of the company. So yeah. um, so it was a significant amount of the company and that kind of stuff. What else, Jamin and Gant, what else was impact in a general way by
3: this? Well, I'll I'll say specifically is um, we were looking at the mechanics of the company, but also the personality of the company, because that's something we really cherish. If the community was going to suffer, if we were going to have some kind of difficulty there. And uh, I think that that's kind of key is that we didn't know how people would take things. How are people perceiving what it is that's happening? So one of the things that was kind of key here is not only after Ken told everybody, but we had to have our ear to the ground immediately afterward to make sure everything's OK.
2: Yes, because some people, uh, you know, for example, might uh, might go to Ken for specific things. They may uh uh, you know, Ken might be sort of a voice for them in in executive decisions, and you know they're they're going to be wondering, you know, who's going to speak for me in these types of thing situations.
3: Yeah, that's a that's an excellent point, Jamin. one of the things that Ken was probably the most voiced for is is uh, the heads down. I would like to never be forced into fun developer, <laughs> and so while we want to be a fun company, we'd never force it. It's never forced fun. And when we start to get an idea, sometimes Ken was the voice of reason for that, and we had to make sure that we recreated that as well. Mm-hmm. I
1: think we do force fun sometimes. We're not perfect, but uh, it was a general concept <laughs> for sure. I do know a few uh, few people on the team who were worried specifically about uh, they felt Ken represented their style of work. In, in, and that's a legitimate concern. And frankly, to be honest, after he left, it did become less that way for sure. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean every every person that you remove that's a great point, Todd. And every person you remove from a company or every person that you add to a company, especially an owner, is going to change the culture in some way. And we did notice that, people did notice that. Um, but you know, we had Gantt and Gant's role increased afterward. Uh, he really he really stepped up. That was a big deal. Uh, uh you know, it became a little bit more Todd, a little bit more Jamie, a little bit more Gantt a lot more Gantt.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and uh, and other people within the company also stepped up in various ways. Um it, that that is something you need to watch very closely and have lots of conversations about. I know we spent hours and hours and hours talking with team uh during that transition. It was not something that we just took for granted and just kind of okay, that's done, we're moving on.
3: You know, as those like obligations came on, I do think that one of the really impressive things that happened there is Ken, for a while, was CTO, and uh, I I know that I know the story, but Jamin, you stepped into the CTO spot, and uh, I don't know if that happened last year's podcast season, or if that's been from now, but you have basically had a lot of success uh, Mm -hmm. doing that. Do you want to talk about taking up that charge? Yeah, totally.
2: Um, So after last season concluded, um, uh, we we uh, we were having a this was Ken was still part of the company but um during a, a discussion um i think this was right when we decided to um uh, officially bring on gant i think that was in that range um uh, I also asked if I could take on a more technical role, you know, my background, is software engineering, I love coding. I got into this business because I love coding and it just felt like as chief operating officer that I was too removed from that and doing stuff that, yeah, I could do. I mean, I can, you know, I can do operations. It wasn't my passion. It wasn't my, my favorite thing to do. And so, um, when, yeah, so I, so I asked the team and obviously Ken was doing some of that. Um, but, uh, but you, you all were really gracious, uh, in saying, yeah, like, like go for it. Cause we're all software engineers. Everybody would like to be, you know, doing involved in the technical side. Um, but I got, got to take on that role. And, uh, we, you know, we can talk more about that later for sure. But uh, a few things that I did was sort of, uh, taking in a little more, I guess, uh, uh, a little more technical, a little more hands-on, uh, direction, um, I was able to, you know, Todd took on a lot of the operations side of things. Um, Yant took on, uh, you know, some other pieces of that. Uh, so it allowed me to really focus on it in a way that I don't think Ken ever really had the time for. And so that was also something that our team was asking for. They wanted more kind of hands on leadership, more involved leadership. And so I was able to step in there and, uh, and focus it, fo- focus in on some, some other things. I'd actually like to almost do like a full episode on that. Cause there's just a, so much that's happened in the last year on the CTO side of things. But, uh,
3: but that's kind of the short version, you know, just, uh, waxing philosophically for a second. Do you think that that's something that we are attracted to doing because we're a technology company and we're technology based individuals in our origins? Or do you think that's something that's, healthy for every company to keep the executives at least in touch with everybody at some fundamental level?
1: Well, it depends on the company, to be honest. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to digress too much, but when you're a 10-person company, you can very much do what you just said. And you can be very flat and very involved with everyone, and everyone kind of knows what's going on. That's what I did. with
2: ClearSight, like that was that was totally the model with ClearSight. I was the, the lead developer and I had a bunch of, um, generally speaking, less experienced developers working with me. Um, and I was very hands on. Once we merged, that changed very drastically for three years. And, and I, uh, it's been nice to kind of get a little bit closer to that. Not all yeah. the way back. but
1: Yeah, as things get bigger. <laughs> so I had I had hubris thinking I could make that same kind of company happen no matter what size the company was. <laughs> and uh, somewhere out there in our 12 listeners, someone is laughing <laughs> <laughs> because it was it's ridiculous. So when, when you get bigger and stuff, it's just, it just you can't do that as much mm-hmm. for sure. All three of us are software I, engineers. Uh, I haven't done software engineering personally for three years or something like that. And it would be very yeah. difficult for me to do so no matter what my desire.
3: I don't know about that. I had a problem the other day, and I pulled you in and somehow you you put your old developer hat on and it, still fit.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm still an amazing developer and better than all of you, but um
3: <laughs> humble too.
1: You know my humility is what makes me great that's <laughs> true. But, but no, but seriously, it, it's... it's um, yeah, that is a different episode. But back to Ken thing, I do want to add one quick thing to the culture. We actually... We knew the culture was going to change and we actually wanted it to change in certain ways. So imagine you have a company and you have... Um, a quorum of leaders who make decisions you're you know if you replace one person with another person there's gonna be situations where say two of us wanted to make a decision and one person did not Mm -hmm. uh and then we wanted to get consensus on that so we wouldn't do that thing obviously if that one person's gone we could now have consensus so consensus shifts on a lot of different subjects Mm -hmm. so it wasn't like we were trying to maintain exact same culture what we were trying to do is make sure all the team all our teammates could find their place in the new mm-hmm. change culture, which was in, in, inevitable. Yeah. So um so that was that was more, and it wasn't that like we were trying to keep the same culture. We knew that we knew that wasn't gonna happen. Jamin, um you took over legal, I took yeah. over CFO, Gant mm-hmm. took over marketing, you know, there's there was other things too, but those were CTO kind
2: of as well, yeah.
1: Yeah, and Gant, or sorry, uh Jamin Holmgren. Um, took over as CTO. My part of CFO, I can get out of really quick. Um, this is my third company in the previous companies. I did take care of the finance stuff and my wife uh, is an accountant as you, (laughs) (laughs) if you don't understand that joke, uh, go back to the last episode of last season. I think it was last episode. Uh I kind of, um, I took on that role. That wasn't Really, that difficult because um, mm-hmm. we all kind of were doing it anyways. So I don't want to talk too much about that. Um, uh, other than I'm doing a fantastic, fantastic job. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyways, I'd like to hear about you taking over legal and Gant yeah. taking over um, marketing, and then of course the CTO thing is a big subject we should talk about more. But first, Jamin. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I think uh, we did lean on Ken for legal for sure, and. Um, I had to. Yeah, I mean, I ran my own company for 10 years, uh, but legal with a company of 10 people is is pretty minimal. There's not a lot going on there. Um, and I, I had sort of a naive approach to it. But with with Inventoretta, I needed to to really kind of dig a little deeper and make sure that I understood sort of the, the the mechanics. Obviously, we have we have a good lawyer like Todd mentioned before. Uh, he's he's uh, been really good about giving us um, very easy to understand instruction and he's very quick to turn things around. So when we have a, dis- when we have a, a some sort of a, a question, he's, he's very good about turning it around, but lo- big piece of this is knowing when to ask the question and what question to ask uh, to get the right answer, because it doesn't matter how good your lawyer is, you know, that you have to still do that.
1: We also made a decision, and correct me if I'm wrong, to have Josh, our lawyer do a lot more work. Put yeah, in, we did put, put yeah. in more hours and stuff.
2: Right. Because Ken would uh, sometimes kind of review things on his own and use, you know, he's a smart guy, so he would he would use sort of his uh, his experience to kind of determine where things were. And we were just like, nah, I'm not going to I'm not going to try to do that. I'm going to send this over to Josh, even if it seems trivial, like a pretty standard boilerplate NDA. I'm going to just send it over to to Josh regardless and uh half the time he gets back in 5 minutes and just with a one word reply fine <laughs> and and I sign it and we move on but uh but the the degree of confidence if, you know like uh, if if I were trying to do that I would spend you know an hour and it would uh, the degree of confidence would be a lot less so that was that was very helpful but there's still a lot of stuff that falls outside of what the lawyer can do because a lot of it has to do with um, what we as a business want, what we Mm -hmm. want out of things. Uh, Todd and I were just talking yesterday, actually, about some some things that we need to tweak on our standard contract uh, because of, you know, some situations we've run into with clients um, where our contract was insufficient. And, yeah, this is a contract that's been reviewed by our lawyer and things like that. But the lawyer doesn't know the business needs as well as we do. So these are things that uh, definitely, uh, you know, we, we we do try to. To, to do them together, but mostly falls on my plate when there's something legal to kind of coordinate and make sure that we get our information over to Josh and get good, good answers
1: back. What if it turns out that every time Josh says fine, what he actually means is if we accept this contract we will be fined by the government.
2: Or he's talking about the fine print like where's the fine print yeah. and we just never send it to him? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, we laugh, but that's the kind of stuff that literally happens in companies and it's totally true it's <laughs> yeah it's it's hard it's very hard anyways Gant, um you took mm-hmm. over marketing and um you haven't always had an, as much time because you've been focusing on some other directions which uh, we're going to talk about in future podcasts Could you tell us a little about uh, that transition and and what your experience was for them
3: absolutely i have um you know i'll even tease the other things so one thing specifically, before I was actually um, moved in as an owner, I was ahead head of our academy, which did on-site training and a lot of fun stuff. That was from Jamin. And then I also, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a future episode, began a bit of a research uh, for what we're going to be working on. And that led a lot towards an AI initiative. And that's part of what got me the title that I got, which I absolutely love, by the way. And I think, Jamin, you came up with it. Is that correct?
2: I, I don't remember. I remember Todd and I chatting and, and kicking around some various names. But I think uh, that that definitely came out of that conversation because it really did just seem to fit. I mean, on, on a lot of different people, it might sound like a made up title. But to be honest, that's what you do
3: here. That's totally what you do. I'm okay with made up title. My name's Gant. I don't I don't follow any kind of, actually, according to Todd, my name is Gantt Laborde. It's Gant uh, Laborde. That's right. So I'm okay with the made up stuff. So I was chief innovation officer, which stands which is CIO, um, which is great depending on if I'm giving out a business card, CIO looks good. <laughs> uh, and then behind closed walls, I'll tell you it's actually chief innovation officer. And so my goal was to take this AI stuff.
1: Does anyone actually even know what CIOs are anymore unless you're in the enterprise world? Like chief, um, chief information officer, is that like a common term anymore?
3: I think that's the person who gets sued when there's a data breach. So I'm <laughs> glad I'm not that one.
1: Yeah, don't. it used to be in the 90s for sure that everyone was CIOs and stuff. But I thought that term was kind of gone.
3: You know, we still have a CIO of New Orleans. I'll ask her. So I don't know. Wait, so you you know her? Yeah, yeah. Actually, Uh, name name drop in here. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not trying not to. I'm trying not to. New
1: Orleans has 18 technical people.
3: (laughs) That's true. That is true. We all know each other. There's a handshake. I've said too much. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, probably (laughs) trained half of them. Yeah, I I did do a lot of training uh, down here. It's really good. You know, we're 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 growing. Okay, come come visit New Orleans, learn how to code, and then drink that information away.
2: I guess we we probably never said at the beginning of the episode, but Gantt is in New Orleans. Uh, clearly,
3: mm-hmm. uh, okay.
2: I'm near Portland, Oregon. I'm actually in Southwest Washington State, and Todd is over in Las Vegas, Nevada.
3: Yeah, it, it's it is 100 remote. If you've never listened to us before, uh, that's a big part of our sort of our our way of doing everything. Yeah. And it works out really well for us. We're actually, I'm sure later episodes we'll talk about it, but we're solving some pretty awesome problems with remote work that I don't think I've ever seen anybody solve before. So Mm. uh, that's probably an episode in itself for me though, as taking on marketing, this, this was like putting a kid in a candy store. I love interacting with people. I love pushing our open source. I love our initiatives And so one of the things that we have here is I have two initiatives. I also am the executive of our Chain React conference. That's every July in Portland, and it is our React Native conference, the US React Native conference. And I have all these really cool things, and then y'all hand me the t-shirt cannon to get this stuff out there, which is our (laughs) marketing.
2: Didn't we at one point seriously consider a t-shirt cannon? Uh, I still, I mean,
3: yeah, as soon as Todd talks our accountant into making it a tax write-off, I think everybody needs one. I agree with that. (laughs) I do
1: do not, do not agree with that.
3: For the record. So Todd, uh, total
2: segue, what about your CFO hat?
1: (laughs) I do not agree with that. So this, this, not to digress, but this is hilarious. So, Ken was CFO, and he would always be the person who would say, can we afford that? Should we do that? That kind of stuff. Right. I was the worst of the people who would just spend willy-nilly out of yes. all of us. this is true. And now, I'm CFO, and I'm now, do we need that? I do this, and it, did, it wasn't like a decision. I didn't wake up one day and go, I need to, I need to keep costs in, that kind of stuff. It just happened naturally. Because you're so, in the
2: numbers, you're having to look at things. You're you're seeing the result of the actions that we take, and so right. you've just gotten super super annoying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> to to be clear, I was very annoying before, but now I'm annoying about money. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that is that is an important you know, distinction. It, yes. I,
2: I, I'll just interject. It's it's a it's a great thing though that we have. One of the executives really focusing on that, it's, uh, you know, we tend to be creators, makers, you know, wanting to go out there and, and you know, make things happen. Right. All all of us are. And uh, the, ultimately, though, you still need to run a business. You need to make sure it's sustainable. And Todd's been doing a great job of that. Really, I have to have to say,
1: I really am, I really am. Great. It's amazing. See, this is why I don't compliment <laughs> you very, very often. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm not like that normally. <laughs> just being...
2: I'm kidding as well.
1: I'll do anything for a laugh. We're on Zoom right now recording this podcast and I literally have no clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have clothes on, but I made it again laugh. See, I'll do
3: anything for a laugh. See, he will do anything for a laugh.
1: I know you're dealing with advertising and marketing. You just actually gave, we do this, uh, let me digress real quick. We sure. we do these kind of trainings, I wouldn't call them training sessions, but kind of hour long get togethers periodically where we discuss some subject that no one knows about. Um, not Normally we talk about development and that kind of stuff, things that are key to our business. We talk about that stuff all the time. But we came with this idea like, let's talk about stuff that people don't know about. And uh, Gant just gave one on marketing to a bunch of developers and designers and stuff. And I thought, I found it very fascinating. I felt that that discussion very well dovetailed into what I deal with on a daily basis, which is client relations. Um, Because you do a lot of similar things that he described in marketing. but anyways, so for someone who's a software developer and not into marketing and stuff, typically, uh, how have you how have you like become the executive of that? How do you get stuff done? How do you get expertise? That kind of stuff, you can't?
3: Yeah. That's I tell you specifically, it's we've been in this for a while, and some things work and some things don't. So we we already have a good set of data. And another thing that we've kind of gotten here is we don't hold back on our education. Y'all, uh, Infinite Red, even before I was an owner, sent me around to speak at conferences, allowed me to interact with people, allowed me to really get out there and see the world. I mean, what everybody says they're going to do before they go to college, uh, and then <laughs> they just travel the world, and then they come back broke. <laughs> this, It's more of like, it actually does work. Going out there, seeing what works, talking to the people, the grassroots movement of sort of how our open source actually influences and works with larger companies, how it has worked with um, individuals and how it affects people's lives. That's really helped us refine our information. And one of the things that we really did is we brought in a fantastic consultant, Robin Kanji. Oh, yeah. And she has a world of experience to come in and complement the strange, strange mind that is the developer kind of uh, ecosystem. Like we, we're we afraid of strong brands. We're afraid of uh, the hard sales. And Robin is is like a whisper, like a master of this. She's worked um, setting up booths, setting up marketing campaigns. I think her website's uh, robinkandji.me. Uh, don't get me wrong on that one, but she's she's wonderful. Is, yeah. And she's been, she's been uh, invaluable in taking our entire process and then putting it back into something that is actionable. For instance, um, marketing personas, setting up retargeting campaigns, and actually identifying three months out where we plan on being. And she and I kind of align on this because we we're very very organized people. So uh, the. The two of us working together, I think, has worked out really well and stepped up. If you never heard of us, and then you start seeing us everywhere, that's that's what Robin and I have been working towards. We
1: definitely, uh, for some things, do rely on really good uh, outside vendors or consultants, or and we, I think we're. I don't know if everyone would agree but I think we're really good at bringing those people in as kind of um extended family and yeah. building long-term relationships whether it's Josh our lawyer or Robin our marketing person uh that kind of thing and that's I I'm been very happy with what mm-hmm. we've been able to accomplish by doing that um cool yeah so that's it's very interesting you know as your company that grows and stuff, and you have to start becoming like more specialized in pieces of the company, as opposed to a smaller company, you're an entrepreneur, you have a five-person company or whatever, you have a lot of hats on. You get okay at everything, and you're constantly changing hats. As you grow bigger, you you really get to a point where, although we resisted it, where you start to specialize in different things, and each each leader starts taking on certain parts of the company.
2: Yeah, when we when we first merged all three of us owners actually made decisions, almost every decision together. Um, and that was, that was pretty good for a lot of reasons when we were first starting, just, just kind of getting familiar with each other's, um, you know, particular, uh, ways of looking at things and, and things that are priority, uh, priorities. Uh, I think that was important. Um, but once we sort of get this baseline knowledge of this is what Todd really cares about, this is what, at the time, Ken or this, what Jamin, and now with, with Gant coming on board, uh, just understanding what things are important for them. Um, now there's less, uh, less need for that. Although we still, obviously we still, we still have an owner's meeting every, uh, let's see twice a week now, uh, three times a week, actually three times. Um, we're doing a meeting of, of the three of us and we, we discuss things. And sometimes if we don't have specific things to talk about, we just shoot the breeze. It's, it's, uh, it's important to maintain these relationships especially when we're not seeing each other in person every day because we're remote we're thousands of miles apart so it's a it's a really important thing for us to do we've always we've always felt that this is important and that hasn't changed at all
1: mm-hmm. not not to be a pedantic programmer but hundreds of miles apart
2: depends which way around the
1: globe you go <laughs> That's yeah true. so this is a <laughs> spherical coordinate
3: system you can't uh, just cut through like that everybody knows that it's flat come on um, <laughs> our ceo everybody <laughs> <laughs> that
1: would actually be uh, uh not to turn off one of our, our listeners but that would be a reason for firing me please if I, so uh, <laughs> the earth being flat
2: yeah if the earth, earth turned out to be fat flat we would have to fire everybody
1: <laughs> the earth is, <laughs> the earth is also fat but yeah <laughs> That's, it has all the donuts. That's, that, the earth literally has all the donuts. That's very yeah. true, again. Uh, <laughs> anyways, that was, that was about 45 seconds. The listeners will never get back from their life. we do to discuss a few logistical issues. For example, a lot of our financial accounts were in Ken's name. Or, I mean, we we were signers too, but he was the 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 primary person. A lot of uh, like online accounts were, you know, we did have the passwords and stuff, but they were uh, through Ken. And so there are just a lot of little tiny things that emails would be sent to Ken, logins would be Ken's, and that kind of stuff. And that that presents an ongoing, actually, still, every once in a while, we'll run into a situation where... Um, Jamin just said that Gant and him are two thousand miles apart. I I do apologize.
3: Don't don't try to out pedant a pedant. That's all I gotta say. So for our for our listeners overseas, how many kilometers, Jamin?
1: <laughs> Three.
3: <laughs> that's a that's our <laughs> We do freedom units only.
1: <laughs> we don't use that that the system that makes sense metric. We we have a ridiculous system based on the king's feet.
3: That's right. That's. <laughs> And
2: not even our king.
1: <laughs> it's so ridiculous. No, I was working no. on my Jeep the other day, and it has a standard instead of metric, and it's so ridiculous. So like you're like, you're using a five and you have to go up one or two. Like, I, I've lived in this country for 48 years. I'm not a stupid person. <laughs> it still takes me a while to figure out what's the next size.
2: I'm pretty sure we're going to alienate seven ths of our audience by talking about this.
1: Seven ths <laughs> <laughs> actually comes out to 2.3 kilometers, by the way.
3: that's when it's in celsius our freedom
1: units are ridiculous okay sorry digressing um (laughs) what was i talking about oh just logistics there's tons of little tiny things if someone does leave and stuff if you don't have a good relationship with them and they can't just you can't just simply slack them and say hey we can't get into the accountant or the this online account can you help us um it's going to be rough <laughs> to be honest yeah. cuz there's a thousand little things and there's no way you can kind of just go through them in the last week or something like that yeah
3: you know that actually is a that's a good thing cuz i don't know what people uh, forming their own companies they probably have a lot of really good questions about this so this is gant Laborde, the marketing uh, director over here <laughs> if you're listening to this episode and you have a specific question about the logistics that we had to go through tweet at us we'll put it in a future episode See? Very smooth, Gantt, very smooth. What's that Twitter account, Marketing Manager Gant Labord? <laughs> At infinite underscore red. Is underscore in capitals or lowercase? <laughs> it's four words, all uppercase, all lowercase, in freedom units. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we're going to get exactly zero tweets from that.
1: <laughs> you got it.
2: <laughs> One thing that we did with Ken because we were able to have an amicable... Um, you know, kind of decision that came out of this was what are you shaking your head about, Todd? Sorry.
1: Oh, sorry. (laughs) It's the way you say amicable.
2: Yeah, I have to say. (laughs) Am I not supposed to say it that way?
1: Every time you say amicable, it makes me laugh.
3: (laughs) Isn't that how you say it? I say say it it the other way, too, but I don't know if that's my... It could be a
1: regional thing since we're millions of miles apart. It's possible.
2: Okay, I'm going to say friendly. I'm starting over. One of the things, because we had a friendly, uh, you know, parting with Ken, was that we were able to actually uh, create a, a separate contract with him, so we're actually paying him uh, to to be around and ease the transition for the you know for for the first year, and uh, that was that was actually it's very helpful because uh, you know it, it's it's something where we wanted the the work relationship to to kind of phase out in that way, and it allows us to have an official business relationship during that that intervening year so if something needs to happen or if like you know there's something going on where um where there's uh something in his name and he needs to do some work you know it it doesn't feel like he's you know constantly kind of bothered so to speak by this thing from his past but more that this is an ongoing relationship
3: yeah i want to say that viewing that was amazing there are two things that don't exist in this world one of them is going to Costco and leaving with one thing. <laughs> the second the second thing is having the talks about how to properly set these things up and then having uh someone say how about this and then everybody agrees that's exactly correct. I couldn't believe it, but I'll say that um when we were discussing how how to properly set things up and how things went on Um, Ken said, I believe this, and I think that this is how we should go about it. And to my surprise, like everybody just said, that sounds completely fair and awesome. (laughs) And you just don't get that. That's not how uh, almost everybody would go towards negotiating. But a good negotiation is when everybody is happy. And that happened whole uh, whole in one. So I have to say like part of our bonitas and our values of being friendly with one another, it, it continues to be a great place to work.
2: And just mentioned bonitas and that's actually a word. Is it Latin or something like yes, that? Uh, yes. Yeah. It's a Latin word um, that is part of our, what we call our foundation and pillars, um, I don't think we have time to go into it today, but that would be something that we could go into. Yeah, because I think that was really key for us. Uh, this actually happened before Ken left. Uh, we we agreed on some foundation and pillars, and um, then it's it's stuck around because it it really does describe how we how we make decisions and what's important to us.
1: Obviously, one of the biggest discussions in this situation would be money, right? So Ken owned a large chunk of the company, our company, uh, you know, knock on wood, uh, has a lot of, uh, I don't, lot of value. I don't it really has value. I don't, don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, brag too much. I'm not that type of person to say how great I am. but um, <laughs> <laughs> But so, you know, like that could be of probably... The thing that scares people the most is the money discussion. There was a lot of discussion about that for sure. I think it came out well. Um, did you jamin or you Gant the board? what were your thoughts on that?
2: Well, one of the there's there's several aspects that go into this. Uh, there's valuation of the company. What is the company worth if we were to sell it? Um, and there's many different ways you can calculate that. There are companies that purely specialize in value, you know, company valuations for mergers and acquisitions. Um, and, and for things like this. Uh, but then there's also the, the terms, uh, like, like how are we going to pay, um, you know, pay out, uh, his portion of it, his, his percentage of the company. Um, how long does he own shares? You know, do we buy them back as uh, over time? Do we buy them back all at once? Uh, do we use leverage? You know, do we use, loans and things like that so all of those things were part of the the conversation we're not going to talk about exactly how we structured it we're not going to talk about how much you know we we paid we paid him uh you know what and he was happy and we were happy and and it ended up in a good situation for all of us um but that took some negotiation we had to kind of work through that
1: well great I think that was a great talk um this unfortunately or fortunately uh, happens in almost every business at some point. Um, it's mm-hmm. definitely happened in every business I've been in. I know Gant was, had that happened to him <laughs> as well. I don't think you, Jamin ever had like a co-owner. Um,
2: I never have. No. Um, I mean, you know, in my first company, I guess technically my wife was considered a partner, but, uh, really wasn't active in the, in the company in in any significant way. So it wasn't really an issue. Um, uh, of any sort. So, yeah, I mean, I, I always owned my own company prior.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, all things being said, it was a lot of work as it was obviously um took up time we could have been spending on new products, new services, new marketing, servicing our clients better, that kind of stuff. So, that was uh definitely detrimental. Uh there was a lot of motions, of course. This is always tough no matter how amicable it is. Um it's always very draining emotionally, and you know I'm personally friends with Ken, and I uh, I'm imagining that Jamin and Ken LaBorde would say the <laughs> same thing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so
1: there's always the worry of you know I, I heard someone say once, okay, it was me, uh, that um, <laughs> that if you if you have too many friends, start a business with a few of them, you'll have less. Yeah. Um. So there was always that worry, you know. Yeah. But, uh, and that's still that Ken and I you know, Ken's actually come and visit me next week, which is going to be cool. yeah um, awesome. as, you yeah. know on a personal basis and stuff, so I'm very happy so far we've been able to maintain our friendship, which I'm, is great.
2: I'm very happy for the the time I got to work with Ken. Uh, he's an awesome guy, mm-hmm. uh really, really smart, made me a uh, you know i think a, a better owner because
3: of
1: it
2: yeah he's a yeah. he's
3: a smart cookie for sure. Yeah, every every conversation with Ken is always... I have never had a conversation with him and not left with uh, things of value that I need to go look up. Because <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's ridiculously smart and, and so fun to talk to. Um, it, it, I highly recommend if you see him at a conference or anything kind of happen there, pull him aside, do a small 15-minute chat. It is a treat. But I'm also extremely
2: excited about uh, what we have you know what we've been able to accomplish in the in the meantime what we have going forward and we're gonna be talking about that in future episodes so stay tuned
1: yeah some super exciting stuff well thanks everyone for talking about uh this difficult process and um welcome back to season two of building infinite red there was a huge gap there uh apologize to listeners who wanted to hear
0: more and i'll just end by saying farewell ken bye ken As this episode of Building Infinite Red comes to a close, be sure to check out this episode's show notes. We love it when the listeners to Building Infinite Red, leave us a review on Apple podcasts or give us a shout out on their social channels. Feel free to subscribe on Apple podcasts, Google play, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Have a question for the owners reach out to them on Twitter. Their Twitter handles are on the show notes page, or you can join the hashtag podcast channel on the Infinite Red Slack community at community.infinite.red. Thank you so much for listening to Building Infinite Red. We'll talk to you next time.